He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dan Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Hallelujah. You're welcome once again to um, the First Love Center for one night with Auntie Mami. Amen. Oh, I think it, it deserves a mighty, wonderful shout. Can I hear somebody shout? Wonderful. Hallelujah. It's going to be a wonderful night. Um, it's one night, so it's going to be special. Yeah, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time with our mommy. Um, she's going to be sharing some wonderful things. And we want to start. I want us to spend some time in prayer and pray to God. Um, we're gathered here in the name of our Father, the Son, and His Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He says, wherever two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst. So we want to just all stand up to our feet right now, even as we start. I want us to spend a few minutes praying. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, when He comes and He teaches, where the Word of God says, the anointing shall teach us all things. So even with things of relationship, even of things of love, even things of marriage, um, I think the Holy Spirit can teach us specially, and He can teach us uniquely, and He can teach us powerfully, in a way where you will understand, in a way where you will have perception, in a way where you will know how to practice the things that we shall hear and we shall learn this evening. So just bow down your heads quietly and just begin to pray and ask God this evening to come into our presence. Just ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come and be with us today. Just ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just pray. Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence. Just begin to pray this evening. Just begin to pray and commit this evening's program into the hands of the Lord. Pray for his grace, his mercy. Pray for his anointing that teaches. Pray that his grace shall rest upon the woman of God shall rest upon Antimami, shall rest upon her mother, shall rest upon the, our Episcopal sister, Adelaide, as she comes to speak to us and discuss with us and talk to us. Just begin to pray, begin to pray to God and begin to ask God to speak to us and to bless this evening. Nicorolobo sembre sine, 
I want us to pray. I want us to continue to pray. And I want us to pray that what we shall hear this evening, we shall hear intelligently. The, Jesus told the parable, the power of the sower, that the sower went out to go and sow, and he threw many seeds. And one of the things that happened to the seeds, to one of the group of seeds, was that when, he, when the sower broadcast those seeds, the curse of this life, the troubles, kept, the, the beds of the air came to steal the seeds away. And when Jesus explained the parable, he said sometimes the seed is sown in the good ground, but the troubles, the travails, the testings that come on in later life do not make the seed to germinate. And one of the things that we've all seen, we've all read the Bible, we've, we tend to read books about love and we read books about relationships, but over time when the trial comes, when the pinching moment comes, we tend to forget the things that we've been taught. We tend to forget the principles that we've been taught. We tend to forget the behaviors that we've been encouraged to exercise in those difficult moments. But this evening, I want us to pray specially that Holy Spirit, this evening, as, the, as your vessel speaks to me and as your work comes and as we fellowship and as we converse and as we discuss, I pray that you will make a special imprint in my spirit with your word. You'll make a special imprint in my mind with your word. And I will truly, totally be transformed. Just lift up your hands and begin to pray. Begin to pray for a special imprint and a special touch and a special understanding and a deeper understanding, a deeper expose, a deeper manifestation of the word in your life in a way where you will never forget it, in a way where it will never escape you, in a way where you will never lose it, in a way where in the trying days and in the trying moments, you will not forget it. But you will be able to practice it. It will come back into mind. You will be able to let the words. Lord, we pray and we call upon your name this evening. Lord, even as your word comes to us, even as your teaching comes to us, even as your direction comes to us, Holy Spirit, speak specially to us, O Lord. And help us that, Lord, the beds of the air, the cares of this life, the travails and the troubles of relationships and of being in love and, and, and of getting into marriage relationships will not let us forget these spiritual things that you will teach us, that you will speak to us. But we pray that your Holy Spirit will specially sow these seeds in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our character, in our days, in our years, we shall live, be spiritual people, be Christian girls and Christian boys, fulfilling your wishes, fulfilling your will, fulfilling your purpose, for loving relationships for our lives, that we shall have sweet relationships, because of these words that you spoke to us on the 15th of October, this one night that we're having with Auntie Mami, in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving, Amen. Let's just lift up our hands and begin to praise God briefly this evening. As we gather, may your spirit dwell within us. As we gather, may we glorify your
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for gathering us here this evening. We pray for your presence. We pray for your spirit. Lord, your word says by our anointing we shall be taught all things. Holy Spirit, come and teach us. Come and help us. Come and bring us comfort. The comfort of your scriptures. The comfort of your precepts. The comfort of your statutes. The comfort of your laws. The comfort of your commandments. The comfort of your wisdom. Let it be available to us. Let it touch us. Let it impact us. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to invite, um, we want to have a few songs as we start. We're going to have um, some music. Yeah. Put your hands together. Let's welcome Aseda and Albert to come and give us some songs. Thank you. Oh, it's not easy, but love is the greatest. 
Because love is patient And love is kind Love is not jealous Love is not easily provoked Love is not proud It's not unbecoming Love does not pose And love does not seek its own For love is patient And love is kind Love is not jealous Love does not pose For love is patient and love is kind, love is not jealous, love does not grow. Get married Ooh. 
happy that it's here. Um, our mother is in the house and it's a great, great blessing. Amen. We're going to have a wonderful time. Um, when mommy's at home, it's always a good thing. You're going to get all the nice things that you've been looking for to eat. You'll get to eat them. So I want to encourage all of us, just relax, sit back. Um, we're expecting more and more of our friends to join us. And we know we've got a host of people with us as well online. You're all welcome this evening to one night with Auntie Mame. All of you online, we want to say hello from the UK, from the US, from Botswana, South Africa, wherever you are in the world. We're very, very happy to welcome you this evening um, to join us for a wonderful time, a wonderful conversation, uh, a wonderful time to learn a lot about love, love relationships, and to learn a lot about how temperaments affect all of these. And how tem temperaments can aid and help and help all of these things so um just just to kick us off just a few a few sort of um, housekeeping things um the first thing is actually um 
we all know Auntie Mama is here, so I want to just touch on a few things. Um, Auntie Mama has got some, uh, some of her messages here with us. Um, they're available. Um, after this program, you can get something to take home with you so that not only the experience that you had here this evening, uh, but then the words that you'll have learned, the messages will keep with you uh, on and on and on. There, there's, are, are you really ready for marriage before you say, I do? How to choose a partner? How to be found? temperaments changing scenes in marriage 25 reasons why some women don't get married how to be marriageable and the realities of marriage so i know we've gotten hundreds and hundreds of questions already we'll be getting into that a bit later on but a lot of these messages will will answer some of these questions that you've got so please definitely make some time to get some of that some of these messages the next thing I also wanted to say is that I um, is, is we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a conversation. You can see we've set up the stage in the form of uh, a living room of sorts. Um, so we've got our sofas, we've got our chairs, we've got our mother in the middle, we've got our little rug in the middle. So it's going to be a conversation. It's going to be, uh, it's not exactly a convention where we're going to be pouring oil and laying hands. Um, so I want you to be tuned in and I want you to participate. If you hear something that you're excited about, I want you to shout. If you have something you want to ask a question about, there are going to be question and answer times and you're going to be able to participate in the, in the conversations. And we, we also sent a link. We sent a WhatsApp page. So you can keep sending questions in. Even as we start speaking, we start our conversations. Um, you can send questions in and we will, we will address those during the question and answers or we will address them as Auntie Mami is speaking and as we go along as well. But before I get to the main deal and before I introduce Mommy um, fully, properly and get her uh, on the dance floor, I would also like to introduce um, our brothers and our sisters that we've got here on stage. Um, I've got with us here Rochelle. Please put your hands together for Rochelle. And then next to her is um, LP Irene. LP Irene Amankwa is also here on stage with us. And then on my, on my left here, is um, Sena Numekpo. Sena Numekpo is also on stage here with me. He's in the business community in the First Love Church. And my name is Reverend Kusidi. I'm also here in the First Love Church. Amen. So now, um, we're about to start. And I, I want to introduce Auntie Mame to um, get going. I, I've known Auntie Mame since I joined the church. I joined the church a long time ago in 1999, in first year in Lagos. Um, so I think first year, there was one of these programs. I think it was a daughter, you can make a program. It was a Saturday morning, and they said the first lady was coming. Honestly, though, I didn't quite get the, the point of what the first lady was, but Auntie Mami then came, and she came to have this program with us in Lagon, and she spoke so beautifully. One of the things I've always admired in my short Christian life is a proper SU sister. You know, when you're in Ashimoto school, when you find a proper SU sister who knows the word of God, and every time she's talking to you and explaining anything to you, there is not just sound counsel, but there is proper scriptural basis. You can see that you are in, uh, you are in, the, you are in the presence of a blessed um, um, person. And, and Auntie Mami was that. So that's my first interaction. Uh, I met the first lady of Lighthouse Chapel International, and she had all this wonderful counsel, all this sweet counsel, also beautifully delivered, also sweetly dropped, and it had all these scriptural things, and I totally was in love with it. Then another, another time that I remember a short interaction, I don't think she remember at all, but it stayed with me all my life. 
it was homecoming we used to have homecoming those days and one of the things we used to do during homecoming is that we would do tours um so homecoming week homecoming was first week of november um those of you have been you have felt quite recent in the church first week of november it was our big homecoming it was it was the festival and you would take time off work and it was big it was there you know it was a proper festival it was it was it was close to christmas uh, for us in church yeah it was close to christmas so i remember one of these homecomings we went for one of these tours and the tour ended back at the Colegono cathedral and i think that year the children's churches in the grace tower had been freshly decorated so you know the the tour took us to the we went to the different floors the third floor the second floor and as we went on the tours I, you know, I just was walking past, but Auntie Mami was speaking to, um, to, to somebody, you know, and I sort of was just passing by. And she said something in passing to the person that, no, we don't talk to children like that. You don't talk them down. Um, you have to speak to children like you're bringing them up. So you don't talk to children. I don't do blah, 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 blah to them. Talk to them like adults. And, you know, it, that's all she said. And I walked down the stairs. And I was, you know, I, I actually eavesdropped on some conversations that we were having. But that stayed with me. So all, all these years, all these 15 years that I've had children, uh, these tidbits that I have picked from Auntie Mami all these years, her motherly, um, her motherly um, um, advices that you will get to listen to on her radio show Saturday mornings on Sweet Melodies, um, Honey on My Lips. You pick these bits, tits, bits, tidbits all over the place. And it's been constantly, year after year, minute after minute, every time you get a little tidbit here, it's always been a very, very great blessing. So I have, as, as, as part of the marriage love at the First Love Center, I have really looked forward to an evening like this where we can have Auntie Mommy here at the center um, to get to speak to us. And, you know, I, I have benefited for years from tidbits, from a sentence I got there, from a, a word I remember from some daughter, you can make it convention. Because daughter, you can make it, it was like really for the ladies. And the ladies take over the church and, you know, they wear their cloth. And then they give us a little half a yard so we can drape on our black shirts, you know, yeah. So, but then every time you join any of these ladies' conferences, my life was always greatly impacted for years, for my entire adult life. So this evening, it's with really, really great pleasure. And I am particularly giddy with excitement. Um, to have here by um, Ketty of our daddy, uh, Bishop Dagiwood Mills, Auntie Mami to be here this evening at the First Love Center and to be speaking to us. We're going to be talking about love and love relationships, um, but we want to start off, we want to, you know, when Philip met the Enoch from Ethiopia, he was reading a passage in Isaiah, and the Bible says that starting from that passage, Philip preached Christ to the Enoch. So, starting from the point of temperament, which I have heard Antimony, and I think she's a global expert on the subject, starting from there, we will touch on every aspect of your love relationships, and I believe that you'll be really, really greatly blessed. As we welcome Antimony to please start speaking, please, I want you to just honor whom all honor is due. Please stand up to your feet. Please give her a very, very warm hand clap, and now proper fest of shop somebody we're ready for you thank Antibana. you thank you reverend christian day please so take like, your seats shall we pray our father we want to thank you for this time in your presence father we are in the presence of no one but you your word says unto you and unto no man shall the gathering of the people be. 
Thank you that today we are gathered from so many nations and so many avenues to come and learn at your feet. Thank you, Lord, for your word that never changes. Your word says heaven and earth will pass away, but as for your word, it will never pass away. Lord, the entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Today, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to bring the light of God's word to our hearts and to our lives. Give us direction, Holy Spirit, for you said that you will lead us into all truth. And Father, by the unction of your Holy Spirit on this vessel of clay, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. I pull down every stronghold that stands in opposition to your word. And I say, Holy Spirit, Father, by your power, let this vessel be anointed and let your word have free course and be glorified. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. From, um, we really want to um, build on from temperaments and mommy and... Um, what are temperaments? How do they impact our love relationships um, as you see it? Well, I would say that um, <laughs> temperaments are like genes that they come from God and God decided not to make all of us with one temperament. God in his wisdom decided to divide us into four different temperaments. And I find that sometimes as we go along in life, we look at the weaknesses of our temperaments and then we say, I don't want to be a phlegmatic. I want to be choleric. Or I don't want to be a melancholic. I want to be sanguine. But God, in his wisdom, gave us our temperaments. It's like the color of your eyes or the fact that you are African. Today, I watched a clip where somebody was saying she feels Caucasian. She feels white. Because nowadays, how you feel is how you are. But it's not true. So, um, when you look at Proverbs chapter 30, the Bible talks about four classes of people. And um, I always believe in not talking so much about your ideas because the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. If the word is God, then it's supernatural. Amen. And so we don't live our lives outside the word of God because the world has so much wisdom and different angles of wisdom. So which one? are you going to use? By the word of God, the Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away. By his word, it will never pass away. So it's relevant and important that we stake our lives on the never shaking, never ending, immutable word of God. Amen. So in order for you to know that I'm not talking from my head, um, we should read Proverbs chapter 30 and um, so that you don't say when you went to church today they didn't read the Bible. Okay, so Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11. It's talking about the four categories of people. Some of you think, oh, melancholic, choleric, it's just something in a book. 
but it's actually in the scriptures. So the first category are the people who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. These are melancholics. The, the reason why the Bible says they curse their fathers and do not bless, they don't see the point of life. They don't see why God created life, why we are alive. They, they see life as very miserable and very sordid, and they see all the negative aspects of life. So because of that, you know, they are brought into the world by their father and their mother. So they do not bless their father. They curse their father and they do not bless their mother because even watching television reminds them of how futile life is and how painful life is. And I dare say that that class of people like to sing songs that make them sadder when they are sad. You know, so that is the melancholic temperament. And then the next one the Bible discusses are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. These are the phlegmatics who are called VMPs, very nice people. Because phlegmatics don't like conflict. They are not confrontational. They are diplomats. You know, before they talk to you, they will use their words carefully. You know, so they usually get along with people very easily. And because of that, they erroneously don't think they need to be born again because they feel good and they feel wholesome and they feel holy. And they would usually have problems with self-righteousness because they don't ruffle any feathers. But the Bible says that our good works are like filthy rags. So the phlegmatics, although it's within, they have to recognize that they are sinners like all of us and they are saved by grace. So that's the phlegmatic temperament. Then the third one is those who have lofty eyes and their eyelids are high and lifted up. That is the sanguine. Um, the sanguine lives in cloud nine. Every day is a party. They cannot be sad for long. Uh, they don't see what people are sad about. They are the life of a party. They are usually not good at budgeting or looking after money well. Life is always fun. You know, so they, are, they live in the clouds. Their eyes are lofty and lifted up. Then the last group is the choleric. <laughs> and the choleric, they are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. So with the choleric, his or her teeth are swords. And what do swords do? Swords pierce you, swords fight you, swords wound you. The choleric will tell you as it is without no idiom, no imagery, no softening. And then when you say, well, why do you describe it like that? They would say, because it's the truth. But we know that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, not just truth. But cholerics tell you as it is. And they are not likely to gossip about you when you are not in their presence, because 
Everything they want to tell you, they've already told you. And whether it's going to make you die, it's going to make you collapse, it's going to make you go into a coma, they have not thought about that. So they are telling you as it is. So their teeth are swords and their tongues are fangs and knives. Fangs belong to the serpent, you know, and knives. And they devour the poor and the needy from the earth because usually phlegmatics are, not usually, always, they are achievers. So when you are poor, you are needy in any area of life, you are not focused, you are not... They, they wonder what you are made of. I mean, just stand aside and let's achieve the vision. That's the choleric for you. Now, this was written by a prophet called Agur many years ago. These are the things that when I read, I say that the Bible is such an amazing book and that it is truly inspired because before we came on planet Earth, they knew that these four temperaments existed. It was later that scientific people like Socrates and things wrote books and philosophy to cover this. And then as time went on, Christians realized that they were having a lot of problems in their relationships because they didn't know about temperaments, you know. So that helped them to know how to live with somebody else. But temperaments are not only for marriage. They are for work. They are for one-on-one relationships. They are for the wider family relationship because you are going to meet all these four. You know, you may meet a phlegmatic man. He's so nice. I have a relative whose husband is so nice, but he brings nothing home. He achieves nothing, but he kills all the mosquitoes around her. And she was saying to me, I don't care about mosquitoes. I want food on the table. <laughs> so we will meet <clears throat> excuse me, all these people in our walk, but especially in relationships and in marriage, it will come to bear. Now, so what should be our attitude? I hear people say, I'm phlegmatic, so take me like that. I don't think that's what the Bible says. Because when you read Galatians chapter 6, hmm, verse 2, or verse 5 first, the Bible says, each will have to bear his own burden. But before then, it says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. So the reason why we learn about temperaments is so that we will recognize each other's strengths and weaknesses and help to bear your partner's burdens, not to condemn the person and say, why are you like this? Now, it is said that opposites attract without knowing. You don't even know why you are attracted to the person. You, the phlegmatic, you don't know why when the choleric speaks to you, you are so happy and you want to join your life and weld your life to his. You don't know why. But the reality is the choleric has what you, the phlegmatic, don't have. And then you also have what the choleric doesn't have. So when you meet each other, you call it love. And it is love. And like Prophet has been saying, it is a burden of love. Amen. 
And so it is said that opposites attract. And then when they get married, they attack. Because you now begin to say, but why are you so different? Why is it that when I tell you, repair this tap, you say you do it. It's been drippy for one week. And you still haven't done it. Whereas me, I'm choleric. When I say something, I do it now and I get results now. Why are we so different? So what brought us together is also what puts us asunder. And what becomes the thorny aspects of our relationship. But when you are getting married, you are not getting married that you are going to become the personal Holy Ghost in the person's life. You know, the Bible says when the Holy Ghost comes, he will convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, when we marry, instead of allowing the Holy Ghost to convict your spouse of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, you become the personal Holy Ghost. And you set the real Holy Ghost aside. So now you are convicting your spouse of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And what happens is the relationship becomes fraught with fault-finding, accusations, blaming, and then it just degenerates into something else. And the quality of the relationship is greatly, greatly compromised. Please, are you understanding me? So, it is God who is at work in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But as soon as we marry, we have a new project, and that new project is our spouse. As we see all the temperamental weaknesses, we naturally set ourselves on the path to will and to do and to work in the person's life. But it's not your calling. It is the Holy Spirit that does that work. You can encourage, you can help, you can, but you cannot change anybody. Look at you since you got born again. Look at God's problems with you. Look at how long it's taken for you to even have quiet time. Up to today, God is grappling with you. Why is it that when you marry, you feel that everything should be perfect? The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power shall be of God and not of us. Whether you are marrying a man of God, he is a man before he is of God. Amen, somebody? If you are marrying a woman of God, she is a woman before she is of God. And the Bible says every high priest, Hebrews chapter 5, taken from among men. So every high priest, no matter if you can be a priest and high priest, you are taken from among men. So don't expect to be marrying a perfect vessel. It doesn't exist. Even you and God, your relationship is one perfect being against one is perfect. Look at the problems God has for you. How much more two imperfect beings the choleric who says it as it is and has gone to marry this very feeling, phlegmatic or melancholic who when you say one word, meditates on it for six weeks and does diagrams and lab results on all the things you say 
And you are sanguine and you just say and you've forgotten. You are happy. You know, so when you come and then your wife or whatever is cold, say, sister, be happy, flow, flow. She's not like you. She's not, she's melancholic. And she was attracted to you because you are the sunshine of her life. You bring joy. When she goes to a party with you, you won't even sit on one chair. You are talking to everybody. And everybody you talk to feels special because you make them feel special as a sanguine. What they forget is, what they don't know is that as soon as you leave the next table, you don't remember. You don't, you are not as deep. But the melancholic may make one friend. The friend will be her friend forever. From uni or nursery to here. And then I, I, have a, I had a melancholic roommate. Look, when we reopen school and she comes, Lady Pastadel, she would have come with two blouses. And I said, what is it for? I said, so that we wear it together. And then I'll say, really? She'll say, yes, so on Friday, we are going to the hairdresser. And after that, we are wearing this to the fellowship. On Friday, I'll go for the lecture. After that, I'm supposed to meet her. I've forgotten. I've forgotten about the hairdresser and the white blouse. I'm wearing blue and I'm at the meeting. And she'll say, you didn't wear the blouse. I said, which blouse? She said, the blouse I brought. I said, which one? From where? So the blouse that when I came at the beginning of term, I said that we would wear. And honestly to me, it's like, really? Is it a big deal? So in marriage, when that happens, what happens is you demean and incinerate what matters to the other party. Because it is not your weakness or it's not your thing. So incinerate means you bin it. Like how you bin things on your iPad. So when your spouse says, I gave you the blouse. Oh, what blouse? Be happy. This blouse, I forgot. I mean, you, you, you think I should remember from the beginning of 10. Oh, sister. You know? But the Bible is telling us, bear one another's burdens. And therefore fulfill the law of Christ. So what is important to your spouse, your beloved, your friend, your father, your boss, should be important to you, even though in the scheme of things you don't see it. So the Bible says, count the other better than yourselves. It means the other's ideas, the other's desires, the things that are important to the person. You see, melancholics don't forget dates. They don't forget wedding dates. They don't forget birthdays. They have it all written. And because it's your birthday two days before, or even far ahead, they already have the parcel. They will not forget. So when they marry you, and you every year you forget. They don't understand that. So if you forget, write it. And you, the sanguine, you don't write things. Things are spontaneous to you. And then before you know, a small thing has become a very big thing. How did it begin like that? You didn't bear the other's burdens in accordance with scripture. And therefore, it's bringing a lot, a lot, a lot of problems. Amen. But now, as I was saying, I hear people say, Oh, I'm sorry, accept me like that. You, but you see, the melancholic spouse who is likely to marry a sanguine, 
is the one who gathers. And God brings a scatterer in the form of a sanguine into your life. So as you gather the things in the house, the person also scatters. I have a friend who is a sanguine. She told me that even her bra, she doesn't know where it is. She can hang it on the dining hall chair. She can put this and her husband collects the things. Now some of you are saying, oh my goodness. How untidy can you be? I am not saying she should stay as she is. But I'm saying that if her mother and her father have not been able to change her for 26 years, you just came and it's your life's project till you die. What happens is you, never, you will never be happy in your relationship because you are always busy changing things. Before you know, you are in your 70s, 80s and death has come to part you. And you really didn't have a life. But it's time to celebrate your differences and the richness of who the other person is. And to be less critical because nobody does well in a constant atmosphere and barrage of criticism. It doesn't work that way. Amen, somebody. Now, there are people in the Bible who had all these temperaments. You know, I'm sort of scratching the surface, but it's, uh, <laughs> everything is here. It's been written for you in model marriage. It's there. And knowledge doesn't come unless you are quiet. Or when you are in school, if you don't study, you, you, you don't know. So in the same way, we don't have so much time, so I will, I've, I've touched the surface of temperaments. Now, it is said that Abraham was a phlegmatic, because when you look at all his life, any time there was a conflict, he brought Lotto. But when Lot was bringing conflict, the headsmen were striving. He said, you know what? I love peace to a fault. That's how phlegmatics are. And therefore, they do not confront you. So you, the spouse, may be thinking the marriage that all is well, but all is not well. And then when the thing is piling up, you won't know because they haven't changed how they are with you. Oh, good morning. How are you? I'm okay. Um, but underneath, it's not like that. So as you keep doing and doing and doing, the cup is getting full, but you don't know. Then one day there's an explosion. Oh, but you never said whatever because... He or she is not confrontational. But what did Jesus say? He said that if you have ought against it, leave your sacrifice and go. That is what the phlegmatic doesn't do. The phlegmatic does not go to confront any issue. You know, so the wounds fester and they can become bitter. What does the Bible say about the root of bitterness? In Hebrews 12, 50, it says it troubles you and it defiles other people. So by the time it comes out, you are troubled and many have been defiled. So Abraham says to Lot, I am your uncle, I brought you. But you know what? For the sake of peace, just choose what you want. And whatever is left, I'll take it. So Lot looks and he chooses the well-watered. And God steps in and says, look to the east, the west, north, I've given you all. So Abraham takes it. 
He's entering a place of farming. He knows that the people are ungodly and his wife is very pretty, albeit at the age of 80 something, and that the men there would like to sleep with her. So he tells the wife, tell them I'm your, I'm your brother, I'm not your husband anymore. I can't confront the king. I can't fight for what I believe. I can't. So when you get there, just tell them you are your sister. And the king actually takes his wife to his chamber. And so the choleric is sitting down. But he's still the father of faith. Because God uses many vessels. The Bible says, in a great house, there are many, many vessels. So we all can't be one vessel. Now Moses is a melancholic. Every time something happens, he comes to tell God, I just want to die. Just kill me. The problems are too many. When they came, they said they want to go back to Egypt. Now they say, I didn't give them leeks and garlic. Kill me. These people, it's too much. Melancholics are said to be the dark temperament. And they are prone to moodiness. But if you are melancholic and you are here, don't say, Antimam said I'm moody, so that's how it is. We are supposed to be spirit-filled Christians. We are supposed to have spirit-controlled temperament. What does the Bible say? Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. John 5, 1 John 5, even our faith. So God is in you. To help you with your weaknesses. Amen? Amen? So don't say, I'm moody by nature. So as it was in the beginning, it's now and ever shall be world without end. No! You have to allow the Holy Spirit to work on you. You have to look at people who are conversational and say, wow, how do they even start a conversation? You know, when I was young, my big sister had a friend. She was so shy. She was grown up, bigger than me. But when I go there with my sister, she will run away. She will go under the bed. She now I think it was a sickness. But then I used to look in dismay. Because she doesn't know how to meet people. She doesn't know how to make a conversation. And melancholics are like that. They are praying that you will come and talk to them. And then you are seeing them and think they are not friendly. They are quiet. They are, but it is their fervent prayer. Oh, that people will make me their friend. Oh, that somebody will talk to me. But why is it always somebody? What about you? You to rise up and overcome that melancholia. Amen. Amen. And then you come to the sanguine. That is Peter. Everything before Jesus says it, he knows it already. When you have a sanguine at a meeting, everything you talk about, the sanguine will uh, embrace it. It's, it's possible. It's going to be done. And he'll give you 55 reasons why your idea is fantastic. And then you say, okay, so tomorrow we are meeting to implement. The sanguine will not come. <laughs> then you say, ah, but why is he not here? After being the cheerleader, he's a cheerleader by nature, but to keep schedules. To be consistent, to be focused, and not to forget. Forget it. They are late to every party, every function. Can you see anybody by you like that? And 
When they are late and they come, they will chat with you and you will be happy. You will be happy. You may even forget. You know, but the flip side, I'm mixing it up, but I'm touching here and there. The flip side of the sanguine is that they are weak-willed and research says that they are prone to infidelity because of their weak willingness. They are prone to, and you see, they are nice. Everywhere, 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 everywhere. In the end, they, they, they are not good at mastering their appetites. So if you are sanguine and you know your weakness, then you know where the Holy Spirit should hammer. And you know that you shouldn't put yourself in certain precarious situations because you have raps. When you see the sisters, you say, were you created or you were crafted? And then the sister doesn't even understand what you are saying. Even the English, she doesn't understand crafted. Oh, what she's now thinking about is he makes me so happy. Whenever he talks, I just feel so happy. But he's coming into your life. He won't keep schedules. He won't remember your birthday. When is your anniversary? He will come late. By the time he's driving you to the restaurant, it's closed. And that's Peter for you. When Jesus put his towel around him and was washing his feet. He said, Lord, not my feet only. John chapter 30. He said, my head and my whole body bath me. Jesus bath me. You see, he, he jumps ahead of time. And then when Jesus says, you will betray me. He said, oh, not me. The son of God is telling you something. That before the cock crows three times, Peter, you will deny me. So oh, never to fear. And that's as soon as the maid, as you say, me, I don't know him. <laughs> when Jesus is going to die, and you get to know him, but he said, no, be it far from you that you should die. No, 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 no. But he still betrays you. When the people come with Judas to come for Jesus, he takes the sword and he cuts off the servant's ear. He's very proactive and ahead of time. But after Jesus left, he told the other disciples, I go a fishing. Oh, you, you, you said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. What shall we get? Small hardship, not you go a fishing. And then the melancholic will be saying, you know, you, you don't seem to be able to keep your word. You know, be a man of integrity. When you say, just keep it. And it is true. Usually, I want to believe that he is trying. And the Holy Spirit is going to help him. But as you are bearing his burden, you say, okay, so why don't I help you to write? Shall I remind? Shall I put a reminder on your phone? Shall I? It's more constructive than the pointing of the finger with no help. Please, do you understand? Then there comes... Paul the choleric. He doesn't mince any words and he saw, he's writing to the Galatians, he said, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Some of us, we can't say those, oh Galatians, what happened? Why is it that when I came to preach to you, suddenly when I turned my back, you've, you've changed course. What happened? The choleric will not say that. First of all, you are foolish. Foolish Galatians. 
And number two, you are bewitched. You have witchcraft. Me? You use witchcraft on me? A child of God? And he doesn't see. He says, because I'm telling you the truth. You want me to sugarcoat my way? I'm not going to sugarcoat my Because that's the truth. But grace and truth, cholerics. Amen, somebody? Amen. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Not just truth. The Bible says that in Ephesians 4, let your words minister grace to the people that hear you. Of course, there's a place for rebukes, but it can't be always. In Acts 21, Paul is going to preach somewhere, and there's a prophet called Agabus. And he says to Paul, he takes Paul's belt, and I think his shoes, and says that the man that this belongs to is going to suffer persecution. It's going to be very hard. So he shouldn't go. Then the disciples there say, okay, Paul, then don't go. Then Paul says, no, the gospel must be preached at all costs, and we are going. Does that ring a bell? (laughs) It is said that cholerics are strong, natural leaders. The leadership comes to them. It's, and they are visionaries. Look at Paul. He didn't come earlier, but he wrote more than half the New Testament. He had revelations with God and he pursued God with all his heart. He said, I count everything but done. They are focused and they achieve. By the end of achieving, you would have left so many broken psyches and broken emotions, which may not inure well in your relationship. So even though you are choleric, add a little romance, a little softening, a little love. You know, my husband has preached sometimes and he said that when I used to be in the congregation, he would be preaching. And that was my little secret, but he let it out of the bag, so I might as well share it with you. He said that his wife would be saying, I'll be saying, smile, too serious, smile, smile. That is bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ. Amen. Now, we can see from the Bible that God used all these men, isn't it? So now, if you're a choleric woman, it's more difficult because the Bible says, Submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. A choleric woman is very corporate, goes out there, achieves so much. But when she comes home, the cholerism doesn't translate to the making of stew, the cleaning of pots and pans, and doing domesticated things. So the husband wonders that why is that when you go out there, you achieve so much. But when you come home, you have become like a phlegmatic. And research says that it's because for cholerics, those things are not achievements. Housework never ends. Dishes are always dirty. They are always rotated. She doesn't see targets. She doesn't see achievement. So the house is not... Amen. So the choleric wife must learn how to overcome some of these things, how to overcome a sharp tongue. When your husband says, before he knows. And then when he says, he said, well, me, I'm not good at pretending. You know, I say it as it is. So the Holy Ghost is in us. 
to help us to do all that. And let me say that we are defined by our relationship in Christ, not by which temperament we are. Yes, our temperament may be part of the definition, but really who we are at the core is who we are in Christ. And it is important that you have your self-worth in Christ because no human being is going to give you your self-worth. And we are always looking for acceptance and value and self-worth from human vessels, which are also flawed like all of us. Jesus said, who do men say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed it to you. To know who you are in Christ, it's not flesh and blood that's going to reveal it to you. Flesh and blood has told you from childhood that. Do you understand it? It's Bishop Adi who told me that he's a gun. He told me that guns insult even when it's not necessary. And I said, really like what he said that when they come to your house and your child comes to them, the child greets, Grandma, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Go and get me water. Look at your head like a dead body. It, it's even uncalled for, but it's like, that's how the language is. Now, when you hear this all your life, you now begin to think, my ucho, my head is a corpse. And so, you are not intelligent. Uh, you are not smart. Everything I say, you don't get it. You're going to hear this all your life. But that's not going to define you. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and all things have become new. And it, 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 it lifts the burden of the relationship when you know who you are in Christ. It is good to get affirmation and all that, but that should not be the essence of your being. I don't know how best to put it, but so if we don't praise you or we don't say you look nice, you don't know that you look nice. Know that you look nice as you look in the mirror. Know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Know that he rejoices over you with singing. It's not that you are perfect. You are flawed. But God is awakening you and he has not given up on you. So know it for yourself in your spirit. Not in a proud way, but in a way that the grace of God has found me and made me who I am. Therefore, I don't want to be another temperament. And I don't want to be, but I want to be spirit-filled. And I want the Holy Spirit to use my temperament for his glory. You see, I, I am the one who has to warm up to ideas. I can see your air conditioner coming. Amen. I'm the one who has to warm up to ideas before I get to even do them, okay? When I wake up in the morning, I don't just jump out of bed with purpose, no. I can hear the birds chirping. Then I think about maybe what happened just before I fell asleep. And I wonder how Rochelle is. And I wonder how Reverend Quincy, how he shared his problem with me, where he's at now. And, hey, I wonder this last conversation, what, whatever. Then I talk to God a bit. And I say, hmm, 
So what will the day be like? You know, my husband is the opposite. He gets up with purpose. I can see it. You know, he gets up and he draws the curtains and he takes his Bible to the study with purpose. I'm not like that. I don't just get up and then I'm doing my quiet time. No. I have to see life, how it's going. And then sometimes he has come and said, Mommy, can I have a cup of tea? I said, oh, yes. Oh, cup of tea. Good idea. In the past, he would say, so why is it not coming? I said, oh, I thought it was a good idea. So I was warming up to the idea. And then I'll get up and go and make the tea. So over the years, what happens is he makes the tea and brings it to me. That is how to bear the burden of the other person. Amen. But I should also not sit in it and say, you know, I'll never make tea at the right time. And you just have to take me as you, I am. It's not going to work that way. So we, it's a give and take, but it has to work. But I'm saying that to say that. After 32 years of marriage, something has rubbed off, you know, and many things that I wouldn't do naturally. You see, well, uh, phlegmatics are also fearful. So I do have some phlegmatic traits. So phlegmatics are fearful, but you don't see it, you know. So before I do a project, I'm sure that I'll look at it and not feel so strong that I can do it. But having married my husband, he has made me be involved in so many projects that now when you give me a project, I know I can do it. And I hear myself at staff meetings say, okay, so we have this problem. When are we solving it? And they say, eh, mommy, please. I called him. I said, what's this? You called him? And we are doing it now. And as soon as I say now, I hear Bishop Dagi at Mills, not myself. <laughs> so something wraps off or should rub off from the other person to you. And like I say, don't be so serious. I mean, smile sometimes. You know, you're not angry with anybody, but you look so serious, so focused that people who don't know you may think you're angry. But you're not angry. It's just that you are thinking. As you are sitting there, you are planning a lot of things, you know. But that is also what will bring the leadership in the church. If the person were phlegmatic, it will be one church, one place, and we are happy. We won't go to the nations. We will we'll be as we are. Do you understand? So every temperament brings something to the table. Every temperament has strength and has weaknesses. Every temperament is God-given. But God expects you to allow the Holy Spirit to make the weaknesses of your temperament diminish as you walk with him. You are not supposed to stay the same. Melancholic, every day if you are not happy, the whole house is in a mood. Hey, the man can't even bring his friends. Because when they come, the mood is palpable. You know? And it is said that melancholics mark you and then repay you in bed. You know, so as you have come, you are happy, you are feeling, they are thinking, 1946, you did this. In 47, you did this. And now we are in 2021. You just did it again. So they are very loyal. But they expect that from the other party, who is not like them? So that brings a lot of problems. And I believe that 
That is why Bishop Dag said to me, work on temperaments and let it be a part of the marriage counseling manual because I believe that when people know they will be gracious to each other, they will help each other. And then also you learn that the person is not out to get you. You know, sometimes in marriage, you feel the person is out to get you. It's intentional. Sometimes people do things intentionally, but more often than not, it's the left leg that is showing. Bishop Dag says everybody has a left leg, but when you are going out, you see only the right. What you should ask yourself is, how does he balance himself? The left leg is there, but it's at the back. You see, so when you marry, then all these things visit you. Now, if you are choleric, your words are some way, it can destroy the whole relationship. So as a Christian, you learn from the Bible what the Bible says your speech should be. So you allow the Holy Spirit to taper your cholerism with empathy, with compassion, with, you know, and then you become the person God wants you to be. I think I'm done. Oh, please put your hands together. I think that is a very, very powerful, is it preaching or expose or, you know, telling of, 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 of the principles and the, and the lessons of, of, of temperament. And it has been very, very beautiful told by Auntie Mami, giving you examples from Abraham, from Moses, from Peter, from Paul. Uh, I think you have a much better uh, understanding. I, I think Rochelle also has a few points. I, I just think that Rochelle can just um, ask a couple of thoughts and then we will take some music, if that's okay. Oh, so is it working? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's, wow. I've been so, so, so blessed. Thank you so much, Auntie Mame. I think as you were talking, I was just feeling that there's a lot that we need to understand as Christians when it comes to temperaments and understanding how your temperament isn't an excuse for how you behave. So you shouldn't allow the fact that this is how I am or just accept me as I am. But I, I really got a feeling that it's the help of the Holy Spirit that you need to go into and you need to draw upon more. So it's the spirit controlled um, aspect is what we really need to go for as Christians. It's not just, this is how I am, take me as I am. So, I mean, I was really, really blessed. And I was thinking as well, um, as you were speaking, Auntie Mami, how is it that somebody is supposed to not be a personal Holy Spirit? Because, I mean, sometimes with your friends or your husband or in certain relationships, it's easy to think, I think I'm doing the person a favor or I'm taking it upon myself to try and correct the other person. But... It, it, it's, I think I was getting from what you were saying, Auntie Mami, that you shouldn't, it's not your role. The Holy Spirit is a very clear helper that is supposed to take that, that position. So, I mean, I was really thinking about that, that it's, it's, it shouldn't be a struggle, but I do feel for some people that, that it's, I do feel so. I mean, as you were speaking, I was just thinking. You know, um, what Christians do is they go into absolutes, like, they say, Auntie Mammy said, allow the Holy Spirit to work on me, so don't tell me anything that you don't like about me. But the Bible also says, iron sharpeneth iron. So that's a friend's countenance sharpen the other. So, and also bear each other's burdens and all that. So, your spouse is helping you 
to know the sticky parts of your temperament or personality so that you can work on it. And um, what I say is that the, it's the Holy Spirit that will convict the person to actually want to change. Because change is difficult for everybody and people don't like change naturally. So the conviction and the desire to change will come more from the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't say, oh, you know, how you forget every date. Even my parents, I tell you, we are going there, you don't come, and every day there's an issue. It's becoming a bit whatever. So how can I help you? Sometimes it's easier than to be a headmaster or a matron. So you're going to do this now. You're going, you lose the person at a point. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, preach the word in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. So it's not always rebukes. And it's not always exhortation. And it's not always correction. It's here and there. And that wisdom and leading will come from a closeness with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I find, explains so much to me. When we were growing up, the, the teaching was that we are new creatures, so we don't have temperaments. That was the faith revolution. So we didn't have temperaments. So I never bothered to read about temperaments, although there was this couple, American missionaries, uh, Walter Trubbish and Ingrid Trubbish, who wrote a lot about love. So that's what we read in our time. And uh, they had written on temperament. But I never got to even read it. It was later in life, I went to Challenge Bookshop. And I saw books by Tim LaHaye and a lady called Florence Littower. And when I read Tim LaHaye's book, I was just reading through. He said that he had been married for 12 years and never understood his wife. And his wife also didn't understand him. And then the wife, he was a pastor. The wife decided to go for a, a, a retreat, a pastor's retreat, but he refused to go. And when the wife was there, they spoke about temperaments. So she called him that, look, there's only one day left. Why don't you fly in and come? And when he came, he was shell-shocked to see himself being described. And that made him understand his wife, Beverly. I think he died now at 90 or so, and then... His wife also understood him, and now he became an author. So he is the one who went on to write so many books on temperament and even wrote lately about uh, 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 love, at, uh, opposites at, attract, and then they attack. You know, and then he wrote, I love you, but why are we so different? And all those books on temperaments. But he was also an ignoramus like all of us, and God confronted him with this teaching, and it brought a revolution. So I came to the house, and I told my husband, wow, today I went to challenge, and I bought this book, and you know, you, you are this temperament. I said, what are you saying? I said, yes, you are this. So he sat down, and he listened, and he said, wow, is that all in a book? That's what I started the conversation. And now, before we employ you, you do a temperament test. So that we know that we don't have to give you a job of counting and writing important things. If you are a sanguine, you will never remember. And every day you will be getting into trouble 
with ministry things and you say that now you don't know whether God called you. But some sanguines have still improved with time, you know. And I think I have some sanguinity too, but I've improved to a very large extent, you know. But one thing I'm very happy about is that I cannot be sad for long. As for that one. I'll be there. So this is something. something. I say, ah, but what the heck? The person who did the cry is happy. Oh, please. Let me just move on and be happy. Why? And also, I do say in my head, why are people so serious about life? And why are they so achieving this? What is the hurry, really? You know, but I've learned to light a fire under myself so that I can obey God and fulfill his call on my life. So it's a give and take, okay? It's going to work. Great. Thank you so much, Mommy, for sharing these insights with us. We've been following this um, conversation on temperaments for some time now. And um, we are ahead of minor temperaments and major temperaments. So um, at a point, you know, of the first few weeks of friendship with someone, you try to study the person, just like you said, conduct some sort of assessment to know what temperament the person falls into and to act or to respond (laughs) to respond then something very unlikely happened at a point I made a friend who I tag as someone who is a cocktail of the temperaments so this person is almost like temperaments you usually have primary and secondary I forgot to say that you are not usually one straight jacket exactly you are a mixture yes and if you always say I never know my temper I can't find you are melancholic because you want everything to be perfect and to fall in line life is not like that (laughs) but with this amen somebody (laughs) but with this particular friend of mine it's like you you can't (laughs) a very good friend you can't tell which particular temperament the person has. On Monday, the person is um, happy, choleric. On Tuesday, the person is sanguine. So it just gets so I, I had to conclude that the person is a cocktail of the temperaments. What happens? <laughs> what happens if I end up with someone like that? How do I cope in such a situation? You will know, even if it's a cocktail, you will have a cocktail of the weaknesses. <laughs> And the cocktail of the strength, so you will know. But we also do temperament tests. I don't know whether you're still doing marriage counseling. Yes, so, and it is often said that even sometimes somebody else should also do your test for you. Somebody who knows you well should do the test. Then you compare what, because some people would take adventurous. And yet, we don't see any adventure in you. But you would think that you are very adventurous and we are surprised. How how can you say that? So a friend or somebody who knows you well should also do the test, then you compare. You know? Because they say that we look at ourselves in rose-colored glasses and we look at other people with magnifying glasses so that we can see their faults. Okay, so... Are you being blessed? Wonderful. We're going to take a spot of music. We're going to take two songs. And then we will get deeper into the questions 
Um, Auntie Mami will be here. With, I mean, when we're coming on stage, you should, we shouldn't worry at all. It's a Friday night. And, you know, so we're here. We're here. We're going to have a good time. So if we can have, um, I think, Sen Anushu propose, then he will know what temperament it is. He can take the test with a person. In the marriage lab, we will sit down. When he proposes, he will take the test. So I think that's what the resident pastor is saying. So Senanu, over to you. Please, if we can have um, Inkunim. In- oh, Aseda. Aseda, please. Please put your hands together as we welcome Aseda and Albert. It's a breakup of my relationship That's what's on my heart today And I cannot get over the feeling So many lessons I have learned And I have learned That if you love Then you will get And I have learned that if you love, then you will communicate. She said to me, if you love me, then you will smile at me. And if you love me, you'll be full of life and fun. If you love me, then you'll be cheerful and if you love me, you like my friend. So child, please learn these lessons about love. I don't want you to feel the pain I felt. Please listen to what I'm telling you. I'm sharing from. It's a broken heart again She said that I don't love her much And she said she cannot feel my love And she said I'm leaving you You don't love me Why don't you give yourself to me? And she said to me, If you love me, you think about me more. If you love me, you talk to me.
Having you today to find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewood Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewood Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243 187 900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.